Hello and welcome to episode 390 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans Weekly Podcast of Many Topics. I'm Mike Solosi, and listeners, if you've played a couple RPGs, you've probably, you know, built some RPG parties, met a lot of characters, and sometimes the hero just ain't it. There's there's someone else on the team that you wish you could see more of, or perhaps even replace that main hero, and that's what today's episode is about. And who's going to join me for that discussion? They are Audrey Bowling. Hello, hello. And Zach Wilkerson. Hello. Zach and Audra, I, I, I gave you the one or two sentence summary right there. Uh, this episode is all about our favorite side characters or possibly NPCs uh, in RPGs that we think are good enough to either support their own game or maybe you just wish they had much a much, much larger role in their game or perhaps even such a larger role that they replace the protagonist. So it's a little bit open-ended question, but it's... Uh, it, it it it's basically side characters that you think could be a main character or should be a main character, uh, and uh, we've each picked three games to uh, or three characters to discuss across the spectrum of RPGs um, for today's show and tell episode. Uh, but before we go, I'm gonna I'm gonna do one open ended question. Uh, what was the first time you remember falling in love with a side character? Like, oh, this is the coolest person. I want uh, I, I want to use them all the time. And and for me, uh, I think this goes with my very first RPG, um, which was Final Fantasy IV, and thinking that Kane was just the coolest <laughs> MFer in the world. I, you know, that was not going to be my answer, but that is an excellent one. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, Kane is just, I, I, you know, I love Dragoons. He's so edgy. Uh, he's just awesome. He comes and goes from your party, too. So, like, every time you're like, oh, great, Kane's back. He's so cool. Then he leaves again. <laughs> Do either of you have a character like that from an, a, a very, very early RPG that we can discuss for five seconds before moving on? I don't know that Decker from Lufia 2 is a very early RPG, but we're going to say that because Decker is just so cool. And I was so close to picking him for this this particular uh, podcast. He's the best. Uh, just because he's so fun as a character, but he's also so busted in battle. And, uh, you know, anytime you do like that crazy 100 floor dungeon, you can use him for that. And he's just awesome. The remake of Luffy 2 is not great and we're not doing an episode on it. But uh, <laughs> but Dekar's giant pink pompadour mohawk is a highlight of that of that game. That seems like a good reason to play it, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Audrey, do you have a character like that uh, uh, to your memory? Maybe alone from FF8. I just thought she was a really interesting character, and then they kind of just sidelined her. Yeah, you only really get to see much of Alone in the Laguna flashbacks, right? Yeah, and then she just shows up randomly and has to be, like, rescued or protected. But I'm like, she could have been an easily interesting character, considering how much of the plot revolved around her. Yeah, the end of FF8 gets so bat crap crazy. I don't have a great memory of it. I haven't played that game in, like, 20 years. <laughs> Maybe that's a future episode, but if <laughs> if the uh, if the remake of Lufia Two isn't, and then, you know FF Four, that might be a future episode as well. But right now we are in episode three hundred ninety, and we are going to talk about these nine characters slash games that we brought to the table. Uh, who would like to go first and discuss a side character worthy of being a main character? I can go and get it started. Um, with the the reason I joined this podcast, <laughs> I saw it. I was like sure if i have enough and then i was like oh wait kaine 
um, from near Gestalt or near Replicant or near in general, depending on how you think about it. Um, I, I I think Kaine is uh, the beating heart of near. Um, and I like near the character, uh, whether it's dead near or uh, brother near or whatever. I think they're both um, kind of essential in some ways to the way that the game works itself. But Kaine is such a fascinating character. Her backstory is so tragic and so interesting. And her attitude is so, uh, I, I don't think endearing is the right word because she uses more profanity than I've ever heard any other human use. But she is such a magnetic character. And if you've played the most recent remake, and I won't say anything about it um, outside of, I think that there are some things that happened there that made me be like, I want to play Kaine in her own game, her own entire game, because I'll just say fun. Uh, not to spoil anything, those of you who haven't played it, um, but her backstory uh, of being a, a semi-replicant, semi-human uh, is really interesting. And um, despite the insanity of her costume, she still like lives and rises above it in such fascinating ways. And I think she's a great character. Yeah, I, I think we can attribute her costume to Yoko Taro being slightly horny at all times. <laughs> But but I think it's fair. Yeah, but um, but but again, he's also a brilliant writer, and Kinda is a brilliant character. I didn't really know her except for the memes about her screaming profanity uh, before playing Replicant. I don't. I played the very very beginning of OG Near and then gave up on it uh, a long time ago. But I did play uh, Replicant to completion, and there's a podcast episode about it. And Kinda is excellent, and the emotional turmoil of that entire game is so awesome. You get very very attached. To near Kaine and Emil, and it's it's yeah, Kaine is a standout. Um, th- th- that uh primal scream scene between her and near towards the end of the game, I think you know oh, what yeah. I'm referring to, Zach. Oh, yeah. That I sure do. I I'm not sure I've ever seen a scene in an RPG like that. I I, I am 100 in favor of a game or games with more Kaine. Yeah, I mean, like that game, especially in its original iteration, has some jank, but um. I feel like the way that Emil, who is a phenomenal character, he certainly would be worthy of conversation here. And Kaine as two side characters lift that narrative um, and make that narrative so driven by empathy, um, despite all her rage (laughs) and all her rough edges. Actually, her rough edges are kind of why I like her. (laughs) Um, Just I I think that makes her just such a just a phenomenal character. No arguments here. Kaine is awesome. Uh, uh, Audra, have you played your replicant slash Gestalt? I have not yet, but I've heard a lot about her, and she does sound like a really fascinating character. Zach is one of the grandest near evangelists <laughs> that I know of, so d- take it from him. These are worth playing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, Audra, um, let's talk about one of the characters on your list here. Okay. Um, I think I'll lean towards... Vanille from Final Fantasy 13. Just because I always thought that it was odd that the story so much centered around her and she wasn't really the central focus of a lot of the cutscenes and everything. Now, now that's interesting because, uh, Audra, you and I played FF 13 together for the podcast last year. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought FF 13 was really interesting. Um, but sort of flawed, but but mostly fun. I, I'm I am a little surprised at the choice of Vanille, though. Uh, um, what has you choosing Vanille over say Fang or slash Fang for this answer? 
Well, mainly because Vanille kind of, without her, the storyline wouldn't have even happened with like Sarah or Sarah getting involved or Dodge and Zaj. So she's kind of like the driving force behind even like Fane joining up with them and stuff is because of Vanille. That is true. Okay. Um, we were probably going to casually spoil several of the games on the lists here. Um, but, but let's not, let's stop short of, um, going all the way, spoiling these. Um, okay. Vanille and Fang are sort of, um, connected characters that are central to the story, but Vanille sort of interacts with your party early and while Fang joins later. And I, I think Vanille goes from being a pretty annoying character early on, Mm-hmm. then switching to being oh this is this is actually crucial and her story is super interesting once more of the plot cards are on the table she's a excellent deconstruction of like the cheerful bouncy girl character i think she eventually is a cheerful uh she's a deconstruction of that role early on she's just one of those and i don't and i don't love a lot yeah. of those <laughs> which is i which i guess is a personal thing but yeah, it's a very interesting choice. I, I I don't think I would want her replacing Lightning because again, my my, my two favorite characters of the playable cast are Lightning and Fang by a by a long uh, long shot. Maybe I just like Dragoons because Fang is the is your team's <laughs> Dragoon. I could see Fang being a good main character too. She kind of carries any scene she's in. I would I would be down for a Vanille plus Fang adventure. Maybe maybe that's mm-hmm. the answer here. Ooh, they could do like a prequel with them on Ooh. somewhere else. Oh yeah, they're fr- from where they're from, right? Yes, that's not bad. Uh, Zach, what are your thoughts on FF13 and Vanille? My thoughts are that's the only single player Final Fantasy game I have not beaten or played, really. So <laughs> for me, for me, that's FF15. But but uh, yeah. but uh, mercifully, no one's chosen an FF15 character on this, for this episode. <laughs> I actually think there's I, I considered an FF15 character, um, Ignis. So yeah. I considered a lot of Final Fantasy characters for this one. Yeah, so. same here. Same did, here. I did. I did too. But both of you went the uh, Square Enix route a little bit, so I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't go for the low hanging fruit and pick Vaughn from <laughs> Twelve. I, that was one I thought I was sure someone would pick, but then, but he didn't. So, uh, listeners, if you were expecting Vaughn from FF Twelve, sorry. Yeah, I was definitely considering a Bosch or a Balthier, but like, it's like, eh, that's one that's could been even done. Say <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Exactly. I, 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 I would think that. Basically, anyone besides Vaughn and Pinello is a more of a, a bigger main character candidate than Vaughn and Pinello. <laughs> That's a fair point. Fran, Fran could could be the main character. They'd I have, mean, they'd Fran have, is delightful, so absolutely. They'd have to reframe the story a little bit, but yeah, yeah, Fran, Fran could pull it off, and I guess so could Vanille. Yes, she would be quite an interesting one, I think. That's interesting, and you know what would be more interesting is maybe seeing some more move sets out of her yo-yo candelabra yes or whatever the killer the, yo-yos yeah whatever the hell you call that weapon yeah yeah zach imagine like a lacrosse stick with four yo-yos attached that you whip out like a fishing rod and that's i mean kind of, that, that that makes that that sounds fantastic that so. is that's an rpg ass weapon if i've ever yeah, seen exactly one. yeah i love it all right now uh, speaking of casually spoiling things i'm going to talk a little bit about a game we played for the podcast many years ago and that's tales of the abyss the main character of Tales of the Abyss is Luke, who is a a rich kid who has unusual amnesia. And I'm going to this is going to be a spoiler for like roughly the mid game of Tales of the Abyss. So I apologize in advance. Um, there's a mysterious man named Ash that looks just like Luke that you see a couple times throughout the game. 
and you eventually learn that Luke is Ash's clone. Ash is the real Luke von Fabre, and um, Luke, uh, uh, he was kidnapped and replaced by a clone, and the clone Luke is the Luke you've been controlling the whole game. And uh, and the thing about Luke, the, the 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 fake Luke, the one that you're controlling, is that he's a bit of a jerk. He's a whiny rich kid who doesn't remember things. And eventually, after some very tragic events happen, um, and Luke learns he's a clone, he feels tremendous guilt. He uh, he improves as a character and becomes less whiny. And the arc of the game is sort of whiny Luke becoming hero Luke. While you have this character Ash in the background, that that's resentful that he was replaced. Uh, he wants to prove that he's the, that he's uh, the real Luke and better than you, Luke. And uh, and there, and all of the side characters around you have a lot of turmoil about this because a lot of them either grew up supporting Luke or uh, and or like want to help uh, clone Luke and uh, but are, aren't sure what to do with what Ash has become. There's a portion of the game where Ash where uh, Luke disappears and Ash you do control Ash in your party. It's complicated. Um, but the character I uh, I want I, I think is a bet would be a more fun main character than Luke isn't Ash, uh, and it's not Tear either. Tear's sort of the female lead of the game that uh, uh, her her brother is sort of the architect of the evil plot to use the fake Luke to end the world. It's 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 strange. Um, there's there's a weird sound magic called pharmacy involved. Uh, the Tales of the Abyss character I, I wish had their own game or possibly was the main character of Tales of the Abyss is Jade. Uh, Jade is a, he's your team's mage. He was a mad scientist. When he was a prodigy student, he acts, he semi accidentally invented cloning technology because he was trying to like revive dead pets or his sister's doll or something. So he's just sort of, he's like, oh, but well, why don't you try this? And sort of invented cloning technology by accident. But then when a cloning experiment of his went way too far, uh, and uh, he he swore off it, but then um, one of his former students sort of passed on the cloning technology to the the evil group that created Luke. So like, J and Jade is sarcastic and hilarious and a bit of a misanthrope and uh, has no patience for anyone's BS. And I I wish he had a full game and possibly re like replaced the overly whiny Luke <laughs> and, and the and the overly uh, edge lord Ash. So yeah, have you have you guys played Tales of the Abyss? I have not yet. I watched the anime. <laughs> if that's I know yeah. I know of the story yeah. a little bit. Yeah, but. that's that's part of the way there. I'm I'm sorry if I've spoiled too much for either of you. Oh no, that's okay for me. At least. I was only semi listening, so it's totally fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I will say that it is the Tales game. Uh, you know, I have played a few at this point, um, and, and the Abyss is the one that I have the most interest in playing. Just a question of digging out my 3DS and putting in my you know, game cartridge and spending the 75 hours I think I have to uh, uh, put into that one. I'm trying to remember how long that game is. Maybe it's closer to 50. But, Alana but, always tells me it's a pretty long one, but that doesn't, you know, I mean, we'll see. But like, I, I want to play it a lot. And everything you've said is maybe think like, this sounds like a Tales game that I would really like. It's um, very, yeah. very good. I yeah. I, I'm, I mean, I, I'm not going to speak for the entire community here, but I, I it, it's in my personal top three of Tales games. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's like that or Vesperia for most people, right? So Vesperia is probably my number one. <laughs> yeah, I, so. yeah I, I love Vesperia and Abyss. But uh, it's a great game. I just think a, a lot of people are annoyed by Luke, but, but sort of the point of Luke is his arc and how he changes. I just can't help but play that game and think, 
you know who should be the main character? Freaking Jade. Yeah. He would be awesome. He he's an a he's an a hole in the best way. <laughs> so you know, uh, Zach. Speaking of a holes in the best way, <laughs> um, I, I think both of your remaining characters could qualify in that direction. So how about you pick one and let's talk about them next. I mean, I think that uh, kind of going on some of the things you were talking about, Tales of the Abyss, um, I am going to choose a character who's actually pretty prominently featured in Final Fantasy Tactics. Um, and maybe, you know, the second most prominently featured character. Um, and that is either Delita or Delita, depending on how you say it, um, from Final Fantasy Tactics. Um, and the thing that I think uh, makes uh, that character so interesting, I mean, there's lots of reasons why he's interesting, and I'll, I'll, I'll say more about that, but is that like sort of history makes him the main character, right? That's sort of the mm-hmm. whole premise of Final Fantasy Tactics is that he wasn't really the driving force of, you know, sort of how this all was resolved. It was Ramza, um, which I think is a really cool premise. But I also think that Ramza is like such a, a do-gooder. <laughs> it's such <laughs> like, a, such like a, a person who is an absolute, like sort of moral, unequivocally good person. That Delita or Delita is a, a much more interesting character uh, if you consider all the ways in which his like machinations are responsible for uh, what's happening. And I think that every time he is on screen, especially after chapter one, are, are, are some of the most fascinating scenes uh, where, where he's sort of pressing you along as Ramza to do what he needs you to do. But he's also sort of handling things over here. And he... Despite the fact that Ramza is the is really the good in this story, Delita is the one who really makes it all happen, and and I think that the story that you could tell about him, the true story in particular, which is not the one that you get the impression people are telling, right. would be really fascinating. Um, and, and like all his backdoor dealings, in all his different conversations, and you get a good piece of that, but I want more of it, and I think that he is the reason that tactics is one of the best final fantasy narratives ever told and the ways in which he interacts with everybody are really, really interesting. And so I want to sort of see like a, I would, I wanted more of him in tactics. This is a character that I feel that someone could write a PhD thesis on. Yes. Did you play the PSP version? I've played both. Um, okay. PS1 I and love the, PSP the extra version. scenes they did oh, with yeah. him in it. That was oh, really yeah. good. Yeah, especially like those those anime-ish cutscenes are just mm-hmm. so phenomenal. And yeah, everything with him, I think, is great in both versions. There's so many interesting decisions that FF Tactics makes that make Delita so cool. Um, from the very beginning, we know that Delita is the one that rises to become the, the new king at the end. And, but, and, and Ramza is the character that's erased from history. So you, if you go in with that knowledge the whole time where you see Delta as a steadfast companion in chapter one and then as this behind-the-scenes manipulator knight in chapters two through four, it, 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 he's just so much more interesting than Ramza because Ramza is a pretty normal do-gooder main character who's a noble that's fallen from grace while Delta was a commoner who's trying to pit the nobles against each other and then rise to power in his own right. But while doing so... He's never really your enemy. The whole time, he's he's still friends with Ramza. He still trusts Ramza. And he's like, I know I, I can't win unless Ramza also wins. Because Ramza's taking on the corruption within the church. And I, while I'm 
using some power of the church to, to my end, but I also want these corrupt church people gone. So Ramza, you got to win, and I got to win on my end too for my plan to work. So it, it's that's an oversimplification. But but the, the fact that Delta is this sort of conniving manipulator motivated by the class struggle and the death of his sister, while, uh, while also sort of rooting for the one noble that he actually trusts to do his, to do, uh, to, to complete his goals separately. It's super, super interesting. I, I would almost love a game that's just the events of FF Tactics, but you see all the stuff that, uh, that Delita does, like that's not in the text oh, of the yeah. game, right? Like, oh, like, yeah. like, like, like a, uh, like an Ender's game versus uh, versus Ender's Shadow thing, where 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 Delita's story is the Ender's Shadow version. If if, if anyone is a uh, you know eighties and nineties science fiction, uh, FC, <laughs> I've FC read them both. Okay, so yes. <laughs> but you, but you, you see what I mean? Like like like, like 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 the Bean story, but Delita is one thousand percent a game I would play. Oh yeah, I mean, and I think that in the inevitable uh, remaster remake, um, I, I doubt that they will actually do that. Um, but I think that that would be an incredibly smart choice, even if they just added like in each of like chapters two, three and four, like battles where Delita was like the character you were controlling and it was sort of from his perspective, um, just a little bit more, I think would actually flush the narrative out. And it's already an amazing narrative. I think that uh, tactics has one of the best Final Fantasy narratives, but just more of him, I think, would really help. Uh, but if they just did again an Ender Shadow version of Tactics, I agree with you. I would. That's that's the reason I suggested him. I think it would be fantastic. I think your suggestion is much more likely, though. Like a big fancy FF Tactics remake that is definitely coming eventually, but with like some guide end chapters where you control uh, Delita and and the Witch Lady and and maybe a new party just for him. Mm-hmm. I agree. Me too. That would be awesome. <laughs> I mean, if uh, Tactics Ogre can get remade twice, why not? Uh, why not? I mean, right. now it's time for the other Tactics to get its second remake, right? I, I agree, and I, and I prefer one game strongly over the other. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I like Tactics Ogre. We did. We've yeah, done episodes we did. on both FF Tactics and Tactics Ogre, but I wasn't on those FF Tactics episodes in part because I played that game so many times I was worried I would talk too much in the podcast. And then, and that's how, you know, that was before I became a regular podcaster here. <laughs> I guess cause that is not my attitude nowadays. <laughs> okay. Uh, but, uh, Audra, um, let's go with another one off of your list. Who's next in our side characters who are worthy of a main character Ooh. status episode. I think I'm going with actually a probably surprise choice a mass effect andromeda character named avidus rix who is prominent in the turian arc storyline from that game right now i have not played much andromeda uh i've, I've barely created my main character but <laughs> I, but i know of avidus rix as sort of the garris of the game or the turian in your party of the game is is that fair no he's actually oh. an npc character who's um he ends up becoming the Turian Pathfinder after he was like searching for the Ark and his friend Mason, who was the original Turian Pathfinder. And they go into a whole storyline of that where he kind of inherits the role. Okay. Right. So, so Pathfinder is a, is the role that your, that your main characters, is it, is it the Ryder twins? Yeah. That yeah. one of them gets to be late in the game. They right. get to be the human Pathfinder. Yeah, but, but it's like, it, but it's a it's a sort of specialized status similar to Spectre in Mass Effect One. 
yeah. that, that 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 conveys them sort uh, sort of special status and a spe- and a special quest. Mm-hmm. Again, I've only played the very beginning of Andromeda. And actually, most of the alien arc characters and pathfinders are to me far more interesting than the main party <laughs> in Mass Effect Andromeda. So I just I'm kind of I ended up really liking Avidus's role in the game. I mean, and... that makes sense to me because I mean the 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 alien characters were always the cool the coolest mm-hmm. characters in Mass Effect. Like like I'm I mean I mean I'm I'm not throwing any shade at Shepard, but who has like Ashley or Caden as their favorite Mass Effect character <laughs> when yeah. when when Rex and Liara and Garrus and Tali all exist like yeah like, I, I, mean, I mean raise your hand and, I don't see yeah. anybody nope and I mean I just I could so see it being like a spin-off game that was just dealing with the aftermath of him becoming the Pathfinder for the Turians and them having to like rebuild their whole structure together and how that would fit in with the whole plot line of Nexus and I do remember that uh, Andromeda had planned DLC that was scrapped because it, it had a pretty negative reception at first. Mm-hmm. Would, would, do you think Avidus Rex would be an ideal candidate for a DLC episode? Yes. I think the whole Turian arc plot line would be greatly explored because he ended up, he has to deal with grief over what happens to his friend. And also he has to try to pull up, all the other Turians to get surviving Turians together and everything. So I think it would just be a really fascinating character study and storyline in general. And they could tie it into the Quarian arc that they never got around to doing because of the DLC. Uh, you can't see me doing this, but I'm nodding in acknowledgement and curiosity. <laughs> it's definitely, I, I would say the Pathfinder storylines are worth playing the game for at some point, just... I really didn't think I would want to play Mass Effect Andromeda, but it was on sale last year <laughs> for like three dollars or something insane. I for, I forget yes. I forget exactly what I paid. Totally worth that price. Oh man. Oh man. I, I think I even said on the Mass Effect episodes last year that we wouldn't do an Andromeda episode, and now I'm dangerously close <laughs> to changing my mind on that. Uh, anyway, Zach, um, have you played any Mass Effect at all or Andromeda in particular? No, I haven't. Yeah. I mean, I I, I, I I think you and I have had this conversation. Probably. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a it's a white whale for me. Uh, I'm I'm playing my first Soulsborne game now, which, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about more soon enough. But um, after that, that's like my biggest blind spot. I really want to play Mass Effect. Oh, they're good, dude. They are yeah. so good. Yeah, I, I believe good. you. I, <laughs> I, I, I'm someone who counts the number of shooters he loves on one hand and i think three of those fingers are mass effect yeah i yeah i, I like a lot of shooters mine. so yeah they're excellent and maybe andromeda isn't you know quite the uh black sheep of a game i thought it was or or maybe it is the black sheep of the series but uh at least parts of it are good including avidus rex rex yes there's there's potential in the plot i, I think it's like an over promising thing yeah thing like they over promised what it was going to be Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't quite that. And I think people just kind of balked at it as a result. Yeah. Um, my impression is that it's actually an okay game. <laughs> it is. It, it did so. have some pretty gnarly glitches. Like I remember someone, uh, oh, someone shared on social media uh, part of their playthrough and like subtitled it like The Exorcist or something because one <laughs> character's head was like spinning around like an owl's. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. That... Not intentionally. Yeah, it had some fun glitches. 
Well, I, I am dangerously close to trying to play Mass Effect Andromeda, but let's go to a game that I actually have been replaying recently. Um, uh, my partner and I have been playing Yakuza Like a Dragon together. It's her first time playing it, and uh, and my second time. We're sort of passing the controller back and forth situation. Because sometimes she, she just prefers to watch than to play for certain kinds of gameplay. But uh, we're playing the game together, and I, I, I know that uh, this is a game that, Zach, you have played, and Audra, you have not played. But there's yes. one there's one character in uh in Like a Dragon, which is in the seventh Yakuza game, who's only just called the bartender or the master. <laughs> and he, he's the bartender for the jazz bar that is your base of operations for a large portion of the game. And but if you've played other games in the series, you immediately recognize him because that is Osamu Kashiwaki, the uh, the lieutenant uh, or second in command of the Dojima clan in Yakuza's one and two. And then the the the, the second in the second in command of the entire Tojo clan in Yakuza three, but um, again I might, I might be casually spoiling parts of Yakuza one and three and 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 or seven right now, but uh, he appears to die in Yakuza three, gunned down um, by I think it's literally by machine guns from a helicopter, but then he, but then he he uh, I think they say in Yakuza three he dies of his injuries, but uh, he's he was a mentor character to Kiryu and others. Because, again, Kashiwagi was the best friend of Kiryu's um, father figure, uh, Shintaro Kazama. And uh, at the end of Yakuza 1, you learn that Kazama founded the orphanage where uh, Kiryu and Yumi and, uh, and Nishikiyama grew up at because uh, Kazama was an elite Yakuza assassin. And whenever his... Uh, and he founded the orphanage to take care of the uh, orphaned children of the people he killed. <laughs> Which is an intense uh, reveal towards the end of Yakuza One, um, that that uh, and then Kiryu decides to found his own or- orphanage, but with a, with sort of a noble nobler original goal, and uh, in Yakuza Three. So the thing about Kashiwagi is that there's so many just empty por- uh, points of his story. We know that he was the best friend of an elite Yakuza assassin, and they rose through the ranks together to be uh, sort of. Um, higher ups in a in a in a mid tier family in Yakuza Zero, and then sort of at the very top of the food chain or near the top of the food chain. And by the time Yakuza One happens, and Yakuza Zero is nineteen eighty eight, Yakuza One is two thousand five, I think. Uh, so, I, I think Kashiwagi could either make his own game from like t- a game taking place in the sixties or seventies when he is rising through the ranks in a very different era of, of Japanese organized, organized crime, like either a, a Kazama game would be cool too, but I, I like Kashiwagi more because he he's not like the elite assassin. He's the other elite assassin that we don't hear about. And, and, uh, and that's interesting to me. And also what happened between Yakuza three and Yak and Yakuza like a dragon for um, something like 10 years uh, Kashiwagi fakes his death, maybe with the help of Arakawa, because Arakawa mentions that in, in Yakuza Seven that when someone fakes his death, he you know sneaks them into the hobo camp in uh, in Yokohama and 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 lets them find their own way. So like maybe through uh, a Masami Arakawa connection, Kashiwagi fakes his death and lives in uh, and lives in Yokohama for ten years. I think either of those game things stories would be a great yakuza game or great like a dragon game i'm I'm, i still need to wean myself off of the old title (laughs) but yeah kashiwagi is one of those like a dragon side characters who shows up a lot and he's always cool but you always think that there's more there and you know he has seen some crap in his days 
So I, I, I'm not saying he should replace Kasuga or Kiryu in any Yakuza game, but I think a, a, a side game or a flashback game about Kashiwagi is something a lot of fans would absolutely adore. I mean, that's fascinating because I have beaten one mainline like a dragon game and I had literally no idea <laughs> that he was a significant character previously, except for like that. They sort of hinted that he was like someone cool that you should think was cool. Um, and he was cool too. Like he was just like a, an interesting character. Cause he, he, like when you said his name, I was like, who's that? I'm like, Oh, the bartender. Oh yeah. I remember him. Um, and so, yeah, I, I I think that whole backstory is really fascinating. And given what I know about Yakuza, which is a fair amount, despite the fact that I've only played one mainline game. Um, that's what happens when you're on RPG Fan Podcast. You that know, is you, a true you, story. You, you, learn a, you learn a lot about Yakuza. <laughs> I, you weren't I, I get it from too. Osmosis from you and Jono, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, it, it, it certainly sounds explained that I would want to play. Um, and again, like Yakuza games are something that I, I want to play more of. It's just like, Every time I think about it, it overwhelms me. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I could play that. But then like there's like a thousand side stories. And how many am I going to do? I want to do them all. I can't do them all. Oh, don't play it then. Um, but that sounds really fascinating to me. Yeah, he sounds like he'd be a really interesting character to explore more in a side game. You do get an idea of his fighting style because he is a boss fight in Yakuza 0. Um, uh, Kiryu doesn't fight him. Majima fights him. So he's like... So, so uh, Kiryu, you know, grew up with Kashiwagi as sort of one of his mentor figures, but but uh, Majima only knows him as a Yakuza from a different clan. So that there's like you get a surprise boss fight against Kashiwagi, and he has this really stylish, like sort of uh, rigid karate fighting style that not, not, no one else in the series really has. So I, I there's a lot of reasons I would like to see Kashiwagi star in his own like a dragon game. I'm not sure we'll get it, but. Uh, uh, his, his Japanese voice actor has been there for almost 20 years by now. And, uh, and, uh, oh, and his voice in the English dub of, um, like a dragon, uh, slash like a dragon seven is David Hater, uh, solid snake. Yeah. That's a cool note, even though I'm not, I'm not sure they could get David Hater to voice him for a full game. So that was me going on one of my like a di dragon diatribes. Um, now let's go to another one of us talking about one of our pet series. Uh, Zach, I was real <laughs> excited when you, uh, when I saw your third character here on the list, because this is, I don't know. I mean, Luf, uh, whoops, Lunar 2 has so many good characters. It's true. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I think, I think multiple of them could be a candidate for this episode. Oh, I but, agree. But let's talk about that one you picked. I mean, I, I, I considered Leo and, and the real reason I'm thinking about this is because I'm watching my partner play through uh, Eternal Blue Complete for the first time, uh, right now. Um, and I considered Leo, I think, uh, a backstory with Lucia would be interesting. I considered Dine from, uh, Silver Star Story, um, and sort of like looking at like sort of a prequel series. Uh, but the one that I really wanted to hang out with, the one that seems like the most fun to just like have a beer with is Ron Farr from Eternal Blue Complete or just Eternal Blue. Um, I, I think that the whole story of Ron Farr is really interesting. Uh, obviously, I think that he sort of functions vaguely as comedic relief throughout Eternal Blue. Um, that he's like this like fallen priest who's now a gambler and also a drinker. And he likes to crack a lot of jokes. And, you know, they uh, working designs translations occasionally, as I'm discovering again, I'm like, oh, you shouldn't have said that. Uh, <laughs> but um, but he's he's just like so charming. But I think that 
his backstory with Mari is really interesting where, uh, you know, the sort of the sister of Leo, uh, who's now, uh, you know, one of the members of the sort of, I don't know what the right word for it is. The the, the chosen, I think, is the right term, but the Althena cult almost. Yeah, the, um, one of the, the like lieutenants in the evil factions. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and she's really interesting and his backstory with her is really interesting. And in both the original Eternal Blue and also Eternal Blue Complete, like they have two very different dungeons that are related to him um, sort of freeing her from the curse that she's under. Um, but also like the fact that he's like sort of responsible for her curse. I just think there are so many different layers to who Ron Far is in terms of who he was as like a, a priest of Althena, but also as sort of this like hard drinking, gambling kind of guy who um, it, it's just like sort of a trope that I love. And as I'm like watching uh, Alana play it, I'm just keep thinking like, oh, man, like I really I, I really want to spend more time with this guy. And every time like I get more backstory with him, I'm like, oh, this is the thing I love about Lunar, like really great characters, fun, but also like some good depth and some good backstory. I just think he's super fun and I'd love to spend more time with him. Well, that is an awesome choice. I just, I love him too. When you were listening, uh, uh, listing side characters from Lunar, that could be a, uh, a contender. I was, I was going to say Jean from Lunar too. Oh, Because uh, she has a, intense backstory and, a, and then a transformative moment and is and is super cool especially sort of in her final version mm-hmm. um but, I, but I, I always like punch girl characters so maybe that maybe that's <laughs> a maybe maybe that's my me talking a little bit but uh ron far is awesome he he is i think the, the character with you the longest other than hero but uh yes. i mean let, let's be honest hero is a little bland is he really that much different from alex from <laughs> lunar one you know i actually kind of find him charming uh because a lot of just listened to like some of the podcasts you guys did about eternal blue while she's playing <laughs> through it and she's like man i feel like they're giving hero kind of a bad rap um, I, I probably did <laughs> <laughs> well you also called him alex the whole time which I, is i, I, think, I, I remember I, I that i, I haven't listened I to think them, but i, I did accidentally <laughs> call him alex multiple times i remember that vividly um but i think that he's like uh, you know, uh, he's sort of like a, a fun, like kind of doofy kind of guy who's got a little more of a personality than Alex does. And I, I just very recently played the Sega CD version of Lunar uh, Silver Star Story, and uh, Alex is a silent protagonist. So, like, that's right. No, watch- he he has he has one line in the entire game. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, watching this in comparison to that which is sort of what inspired her to play it. I was like, oh, Hero's got so much personality. So I think he's I think he's fun and he's fine. But yeah, I, I think all the rest of the characters, Jean, Ronfar, Leo, or uh, or also the character Mystere, who's the best character, let's be honest. Mystere, man, I still have not figured out who Mystere really is. <laughs> uh, and it has been decades since I first played Lunar. Yeah, maybe Mystere is the real candidate for like, uh, someone to get their own game. I mean, even Lamina is super fun. You can see like elements of both of her. Uh, <laughs> both of her know, parents, yeah. Or her, her like, and ancestors. Oh, yeah, say. distant yeah. Ancestors. ancestors. Yeah, yeah. she's super Whoops. fun. I just think the characters in Eternal Blue are delightful, and I think Ron Far is the most delightful. I, I mean, I, I don't know how hot this take is. I like Lunar Two more than Lunar One, and it is I too too actually. But, but I think that's I, a common assessment, actually. Maybe yeah. it is. I I don't know what the temperature of the fan base is exactly, but the uh, but I, I think why I do is largely because of the side characters, especially since each of them sort of has a corresponding member of the evil organization that. Uh, that deepens their own character when you confront them with, with Ron Fars being Maori. And, uh, uh, and then, you know, a lot of tales games do that too. Maybe that's why I like some, uh, I like several of them. 
<laughs> whenever there's like an evil group of enemies, like each one, like one will correspond to each of your party members. I don't know. I, I love that every time. Um, maybe it's a tokusatsu thing, but uh, I was about to say the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but Ronfar is awesome. Um, I an absolute like I, I would play a prequel game about young Ronfar. I would play a sequel game about Ronfar. You know, like like Ronfar's big day out. Um, <laughs> but I, but I also think that like all four of your main partners, um, and, and plus the uh, absolutely opaque Mister, are more interesting than Hero. <laughs> Poor hero. <laughs> I mean, I don't disagree. I just, I just think hero's like a really good protagonist for the narrative. Um, and he's fun and he's, I don't know. I, I just think his relationship with everybody and Lucia is really, are really great. And I, I think he's delightful, but you know, I, I agree that the rest of the main party, all way more charming, way more interesting. And Ron Farr's a standout among them. He, yes. Like I, I, I would say that I like sort of, the main characters of Lunar 2 more than their corresponding uh, character in Lunar 1, but maybe not Ron Farr versus Jessica, but only because Jessica is like the best Lunar 1 character. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? I like, love like, Kyle too. Yeah. I like Kyle as well, but but I also really like Leo. I, um, mm. God, do I need to replay both of them? The answer is yes. <laughs> maybe, maybe I should. I, I, I've I mean, essentially just replayed both of them and they're still a delight. Those podcasts were in 2018, and uh, I, I I would replay these games. Lunar 1 and 2 are special. Mm-hmm. Agreed. But uh, Audra, if you don't mind me um, saying so, I'm not sure the next game we're talking about is quite as special to me as <laughs> as Lunar 2 Eternal Blue, But because uh, I, haven't, I haven't played this one. But uh, so I think some explaining is in order. Uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, uh, your final choice for this episode. My final choice is Avril from Wild Arms 5, which is an okay game. <laughs> it's <laughs> not the best Wild Arms. It has a great battle system, and that's about all I can say for it, really. It was, there's a lot left in the storyline that could be left of desire but like avril is actually one of the best characters in it and she gets kind of overshadowed even though the storyline actually revolves around her because she's the mysterious um girl who can do like certain special magic and stuff that the main character dean and his friend rebecca find like in a artificial golem's arms at one point and it's supposed to be her quest to find her memories and figure out who she is is actually like the driving force of the game. So I just felt like she kind of she kind of deserved to be the main character in a narrative that was mainly about her. But then they also throw in this FF time loop storyline. <laughs> FF1 time loop where oh, okay. she gets stuck in... Spoil, I'm spoiling it, but basically in order for everybody else to be happy and stuff she has to be stuck in this time loop repeating the events of the game ad nauseum and i've just i felt horrible for her because that no one should have to do that <laughs> to begin with and then i'm like you know if they could do a spin-off where she actually manages to break free of the time loop that would be a really interesting plot line for the game okay now all right my, my uh I, i've played quite a lot of wild arms one and three but didn't finish either of them. So I, uh, so I'm, I'm coming from some ignorance here. Uh, but Wild Arms is already a mishmash of things. It's a, uh, it's a sort of spaghetti western aesthetic, but also like Mad Max in the desert kind of. 
it w- but also a lot of JRPG tropes, especially ancient civilizations with ancient technology surfacing in the desert, which often includes giant golems or colossi. Yes. <laughs> which is so like Wild Arms, such a specific mix of things. And Avril is sort of connected to that ancient civilization ancient technology lost magic portion of the of the uh you know that piece of the wild arms pie but also she's in like a eternal groundhog day scenario yes wow maybe she does deserve an epilogue (laughs) a a lunar two style epilogue that you know that uh that makes a sort of dark or less satisfying ending into something better i agree i think she does it would be it would have been much a better ending because no one needed to repeat get over the wall 50 bajillion times, which is like an inside joke from that game. Oh boy. <laughs> I probably should play more wild arms. I'm, I'm I've thought about going back to my uh, playthrough of wild arms three. Cause <laughs> that, that game's cool. It just was, it was just too much video game for what I, for, uh, for the window I was trying to fit it in. Yeah, I like the Wild Arms series generally. Uh, Wild Arms 5 is like the odd one out in that it has a fantastic battle system, but because they use the hex battle system from Wild Arms 4 in it, and that was just really great strategic mixed with turn-based and everything. And It's probably better than Wild Arms 3's strategy of everyone runs around like a maniac <laughs> and, then, and then pauses to try to figure out area of effect attacks. Yeah. But it's just, unfortunately for Wild Arms 5, the storyline is not quite as good as the other ones. But maybe Avril deserves a little bit more shine. Yes, she does. Uh, Zach, have you played any Wild Arms, or maybe 5 specifically? I have not played 5. I've played 1. I remember it barely, because <laughs> I played it basically when it came out. Um, and I've, I, I think I was actually originally signed up for those Wild Arms 3 uh, podcasts, but just time got away from me so i i want to play more wild arms but because i love sort of spaghetti westerns and give me a sergio leone movie and i'm i'm, I'm there every day <laughs> i i but think i think one two and happened. i think one two and three are downloadable on psn for for yeah. a while wild arms 2 was free and i just i just got that one as a matter of course yeah yeah so they're, they're somewhat accessible at least is uh which is you know not always the case for the rpgs we talk about mm-hmm no, it's a it's a fun series. I've really enjoyed it, and I am so excited it's getting a spiritual successor. But that's a different. Oh thing. yeah, when yeah. those when those come out, it, I mean, I I'm gonna pray, hope, and pray they come out. They they are excellent candidates for spoiler casts for dedicated episodes. I'm, I'm really really excited for uh, both of those spiritual successors to Wild Arms and Shadow Hearts, as it were. Uh, but you know, speaking of um, RPGs with great battle systems. Uh, the last game on, on my list for today is one of my favorite series of RPGs that, that I've only been getting into the last 10 years or so. And I say only last 10 years, but I've been I've been playing RPGs for like 30 years. So yeah, per- permit me. Um, uh, and that's East. I uh, I didn't love old East games. I, I tried playing a couple of them in the Super Nintendo ish era and uh, didn't really connect with any of them. But then in the early 2010s, I played through. East one and two and Othenfell Ghana and Origin and seven back to back and loved uh, basically all of them or most of all of them and then sort of uh, starting with Memories of Silseta basically played all, each of them as they came out in English and my issue isn't with a specific East game I I, I uh, my issue is with 
ironically, uh, a character that I love, but also think is not necessary most of the time. And that's the East protagonist, Adol Kristen. In almost every East game, Adol is an outsider to some conflict, gets dropped in it randomly, and then becomes the hero and fixes it himself. And I, and as I played through, as I've played through multiple East games, I, I sort of think to myself, "Is like, is this really necessary at all?" <laughs> in, in in Othenfelgana, I mean, you just go there with your best friend Dogi, and you uh, resolve what happened between Dogi's best friends uh, Chester and Elena, who who are brother and sister, and uh, and end up re- re- saving them, uh, like saving them in the end. Couldn't that story have just been Dogi returning home? and saving the day and reconciling with Chester and Elena. And in East 8, when everyone gets shipwrecked and they find a mysterious girl named Donna and Donna sort of saves the island and and, uh, and saves the world, couldn't that have just been about Donna? Very true. And uh, I don't want to get into the, the late game story of East 7, which maybe has my favorite East story. But uh, basically, Adol sort of unites the... Um, the chieftains of several ancient tribes to save the world from a, or to save the, uh, the, the island town of, of Altago, which I think is based on ancient Carthage, um, to, uh, from, from a, you know, uh, from an apocalypse is like, I, I think that like this game could have been about one of the other characters instead of Adol. So like basically my issue, which isn't really an issue is that Adol's a good hero, but the side characters in East, especially since they've had multi-party East games, uh, which is East 7 onward, the side characters have been so good. There are by the end of the game, I usually don't want to use at all that much. Like I like I just I just love being able to use Dogi and uh, Mishera in East 7. And Frida is like is just the coolest character in East Memories of Silseta. And I, and I will not accept opinions to the contrary. Uh in, in East 8, Donna is like a superstar and, and probably deserves to be the main character of that game. And in East 9, like, like Adol's cool, but you, there's just so many cool characters in the East series. I, I think they need to do another East origin and give us an East game that's not about Adol. Uh, but, and, and the new one, East 10, which I am, which I will play at the moment it comes out in English. I, 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 I'm super excited for East 10. They introduce a new uh, main character, uh, I think it's I think it's Kartia or or maybe or maybe Kartja. I'm not I'm not sure how to pronounce it exactly, but uh, she's like this Viking princess girl that is your companion for most of the game. It's like it's like you know, did this game really need to have Adol in it? Couldn't we just have had an East game about Kartja? And I'm not, and you know, the more I think about it, the more the less necessary I feel like Adol is to East, even though he is the heart and soul of East. It's a weird feeling. <laughs> Basically, what I say, what I'm saying is, y'all should play East and maybe pay attention to some characters besides that all. And, and Audra, Audra, you and I have played a couple East games uh, uh, concurrently for the podcast. You were on the, um, the East origin episodes with me. And I think also the oath and Felgana. No, 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 you were no, no, that, that was Tina and Hillary. So, so uh, you, and, you and I played East origin together, but you have yeah. played, you have played some others as well. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're right. I mean, he kind of, a lot of the other characters seem like they deserving of the spotlight for the storylines in it and i mean e's origin i didn't exactly miss him <laughs> just because the other the characters in that were so interesting yeah i mean unica hugo and um uh torvald and then yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. torvald torvald slash the claw are really really fun characters to control mm-hmm. I, I haven't done a claw playthrough I've, I've done 
I did a Unica playthrough when I played it many years ago. And then for the podcast, I did a Hugo run and both of them were super fun. Um, I, I would go back to that game. Uh, yeah. it, it, it's, uh, it's also, it's also pretty brisk. I think you could probably beat East origin in like 10 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, I, I don't think at all is the most important thing about East, even though he technically is the most important character in East. <laughs> I just, I just, I just think that every game he's in it's it, like, it could be someone else. Yeah. But I'm also the number one Dogie fan that I know other than Derek Hemsbergen. So, yeah. I felt so bad that he got sidelined, and especially East 9. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's one of the playable characters in East 7, and he's great. Uh, but then in every other game, he is totally sidelined. He takes care of, of the home base or is just, you know, there for uh, comic relief or to be sort of the, the, the silly dumb guy. But Dogi could absolutely carry a game on his own. And I wonder if he should have been the main character of Oath and Felgana. It would have made sense. He could probably uh, um, do, like break through stone and walls without the, uh, without the third spell upgrade. <laughs> yep. Uh, now, Zach, you've been a little quiet. Um, have you played much East at all? Cause... I have. I feel like I, I've said this mo- many more times than I am comfortable to admit that I have not played this series. And I own like seven of them. And like, <laughs> I just haven't yet because time, you know, but like, I, 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 I want to. I think we have talked about this before. I just, I just wasn't 100% certain. Well, yeah. I mean, they're good. And you, and hey, we, uh, We've already just given you a lot of information. Like, uh, there's a guy named Adol. His best friend's a guy named Dogi. Uh, now, just play whichever one you want. You're, you're good. <laughs> All right. Then they usually get into shipwrecks. Yeah, um, Adol has bad luck with boats. Is <laughs> a very amusing recurring element. There's a, a, a moment in, the, in the, around the middle of East Seven where you need to go to this offshore island where uh, where a sacred temple is, and uh, one character's like, "Oh, Adol, will you be piloting the boat?" Boat, and Dogo goes, "Dogi goes, oh no." <laughs> Trust me, you do not want him anywhere near the steering wheel. It's a uh, they're they're nice and self aware about it. There's one scene where Adol's in prison in East Nine, and he even says he even thinks to himself, "It's like, man, why do I always forget everything I've learned at the end of my at the end of my previous adventures?" So they're they're like they're, they wink at the audience a little bit in these games, which is um one part of why I like them, even though I don't think Adol is as necessary a component to them as maybe others do. But anyway, uh, listeners, thank you so much for listening to us uh, um, jab about uh, nine side characters that we think are worthy of being a main character in their own right. Uh, that was Vanille from Final Fantasy XIII, Kaine from Nier, Kashiwagi from Like a Dragon, uh, Delita from Final Fantasy Tactics, Aphidus Rix from Mass Effect Andromeda, uh, Jade Curtis from Tales of the Abyss, Ron Farr from Lunar 2, Avril from Wild Arms, Arms 5, and Adolf, and everyone besides Adolf from every <laughs> East game. But um, before we go and start housekeeping, I have one last question for you. Um, is there a main character who is either a generic or a silent protagonist that you wish was a little different? Because I think that's that's maybe worthy of an entire episode on its own. But uh, I, when I was trying to come up with characters for this podcast episode, I kept thinking of create a character's that you know didn't have enough personality for me and ended up going in another direction but uh th- that is you know uh th- that that's just something i thought about 
uh, when we were planning this episode. But I'll give you a few minutes to think about it before I put you on the spot. Um, listeners, uh, thank you again for listening to us. And if you and uh, the next couple weeks of listening to us will be one episode about fan translation projects and two episodes about Bloodborne, which I'm pretty sure is that first uh, Souls game that Zach was alluding to earlier. It's um, I, I it's only my second Souls game. That, uh, because I, I don't think Salt and Sanctuary counts. So uh, it, that, that there's a lot to talk about with that thing, and we will get to it in a few weeks. And I am, I'm not hosting the fan translation episode uh, next week, so please look forward to Jono and a crew talking about classic fan translations. Um, listeners, if you want to reach out to us, the best way to do so is retro at rpgfan.com. You can also find RPG Fan on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Discord, YouTube, Threads, Twitch, probably more places that i'm not remembering but one of the best places to interact with rpg fan is the rpg fan shop at rpgfan.com shop where you can buy apparel mugs phone cases keychains baby onesies all manner of rpg fan things there's also two other fine rpg fan podcasts random encounter about randomness and what we're playing every week and rhythm encounter about rhythmness and rpg music you can review retro encounter or those other podcasts on apple Podcasts, google play spotify or wherever we love feedback give us that feedback so, Audra and Zach, tell me about one generic character or silent protagonist that you wish had a bit more personality or you would make a change to. And uh, when you, after you tell me about them, uh, share with the listeners your uh, uh, social media or um, contact information that you're willing to share. Starting with you, Zach. I don't have an answer for this yet. <laughs> I uh, I don't know. Because um, I, I think that there are plenty of silent protagonists who have um, a lot of personality um, in their own way. I think about the Persona series in particular. Um, and I think they're all really interesting um, in their own way. But like one who I would change. Um, man, that's a tough question. Um, you know, I I just played through. I, I'll say one that I've seen a change with, and that is I've played through very recently Lunar the Silver Star, and I, oh, I think okay. that I, I think that the changes you see to Silver Star Story Complete, um, really bring a lot to the game. Um, I think that the Silver Star uh, spoiler review that some people might see, but I think that even like the little bit of personality they add to Alex uh, makes a significant difference, um, and so. That would probably be my answer. I, I I was thinking about this the whole time you were talking and I had a hard time coming up with a good answer, but that's probably the best one I can think of. I did spring on this on you as a surprise. So no, I, no that, that is my fault a little bit. But uh, Zach, how can listeners find you? Oh, I'm um, sorry. Um, you can find me uh, by emailing me, ZachW at RPGFan.com, or you can find me on RPGFan's Discord at ZachW. Now, Audra, um, what's a silent protagonist or created character that you think could uh, benefit from a change? Ooh, um, I think I'm leaning towards the main character in Dragon Quest IV. Okay. Just because, I mean, they even have like the inside joke when they, when you're talking to an NPC at one point where they're like, is it a man or a woman? I can't tell, a man or a woman, I can't tell. <laughs> and stuff, and I just was like, it would have been interesting if they'd been able to, because all of the other party members have so much personality in that game and stuff like maybe flush them out more. That's interesting, because my, my answer is similar to yours, Audra, but for a different reason. But um, how, how can listeners find you? Oh, um, Audra B at RPGFan.com, email. Excellent. Now, I, I was also thinking of a Dragon Quest game, 
specifically a Dragon Quest game where uh, the the side characters are all incredible and the main character is, you know, a, a silent protagonist like every Dragon Quest main character. And that's uh, maybe my favorite game of the entire 2010s, Dragon Quest Eleven. And the, the, the Luminary in Dragon Quest Eleven is is great. I, I, I truly love him. But the, I, I sort of love the other seven main characters more. And I, that got me thinking, like Dragon Quest IV, Audra, and Dragon Quest III and, and IX, um, you were allowed to ch- you're allowed to choose the sex of your main character, and I and that got me thinking like would Dragon Quest Eleven be better, worse, or the same if the main character was a woman? Ah, oh. and I'm and the whole and as I, as I was thinking about it, it's like you know what I I think they could have basically the same game, and just change the character model and it would be fine. So what I'm saying is is that you know if silent protagonists aren't bad. That is, uh, uh, that's a whole podcast topic on its own, but give us more options. Like, like, let, let us choose between, uh, a, a, a male or female main character whenever possible. Like, like, I mean, you know, Professor Oak asking if you're a boy or a girl is maybe a, an internet meme by now, but there, there should be more games that give you that option. But, uh, listeners, you can, um, my name is Mike Solosi. You can find me at The Real Monsoon on Twitter, at Evoker for Dogs Instagram, and Solosi on BlueSky.com, and Monsoon Mike on Discord. Thank you, good night, and good luck. <laughs>